Welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Robbie Straczynski. Thank you so much for joining us on episode number 107 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. Today's guest is Ryan Beauregard, the executive director of poker at the Wind Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. Ahead of the massive WPT World Championship Festival, we thought it'd be nice to talk to the man in charge as far as all things poker at the win and get to know him a little better. Ryan, welcome to the Cards Jet Podcast. Hey, Robbie, how are you? Thanks for uh, thanks for having me, as always. Doing well. We were speaking uh, a little bit uh, before we, we hit the record button. I was like, hey, it's nice to see the face and, and hear the voice behind the name I see, you know, Ryan Beauregard. And you said, you know, you don't really do press that often, but that's changing a little bit. It, it seems to be lately. Um, yeah, you know, I, I really prefer to, uh, I'm not a big social media guy. I, I'm a big social media stalker, I think. You know, <laughs> I, uh, I like to keep up with the poker world based on uh, what everybody else is saying. But, um, you know, and I monitor the, the win poker account. But for the most part, I'm, uh, you know, I like to uh, stay close to home, stay in the office and uh, and uh, pop out into the poker room and say hi and, and meet players as they come. But uh, I've never been a big, uh, hey, this is me and, and, uh, and, and this is the poker room. So it's... <laughs> it's uh, it's coming full circle though with the WPT thing. Yeah. Um, you know the, the the tournament. It seems like a, a lot more opportunities like this. So thank you. Oh yeah, sure, my pleasure, and thank you for your time. I mean, you, you talk about you know monitoring the poker world where they're going to be. You know, and when we will be talking plenty about this. You know, the whole WPT World Championship Festival. You know, will be descending uh, on the win, and uh, obviously a lot of people who you know whether they've been there before and it's already their favorite room or folks who haven't yet been there this will be their first time you know uh it, it's going to be a, a pretty big spectacle happening in just a couple of weeks um so it's an opportunity to, to get to know you and you know not just about the room but also who is ryan how did he end up in this role uh, of executive director of poker at the win um can you describe your role like what's a typical day-to-day like for you uh yeah so um you know, mostly office hours. You know, I, I roll in around nine o'clock and leave anywhere between six and seven. Um, you know, a lot of administrative work, but uh, a lot of hands-on stuff too, especially when we're running big events. So I spend a, a fair amount of time in the poker room and uh, making sure that everything's going well and, and saying hi to all the folks. But a uh, typical day is, um, I guess, I guess what you would think to run any business. You know, we've got maybe 300 employees and, uh, mm. you know, there's, there's HR items and there's strategy and marketing and all that fun stuff. So it's a little bit of everything. Sure. Well, uh, the people don't necessarily know this because you guys could be listening at, you know, four in the afternoon or four in the morning. But Ryan's kindly uh, doing this outside of regular office hours from his home, uh, you know, because of the time difference here in Israel. It's 10 hours. So we appreciate the late night call. Uh, thank you for that. Um, what is your favorite part of your job? Uh I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big poker guy, right? I love watching, I, I love watching poker. I love being around poker. You know, it's probably what attracts all of us to the, uh, to the, to the industry, to the casino business as a whole. You know, um, most people in the poker room are, are, you know, play poker or they used to play poker. Um, you know, my favorite part is just being around the game. I think, um, you know, secondarily with that is, is the people that, uh, that you get to hang out with. You know, it's it's great. It's it's not a, a corporate job per se, and that and that I get to you know work from my office, and and when I want to take a break, I get to go out and uh, and, and hobnob with with all of our with all of our guests and our staff, and it's just the the freedom that that allows you to work in that environment is, you know, it's super fun. 
And uh, to be around poker is just the, the big bonus, obviously. For sure. And obviously, you know, there, there's regular days like a random Tuesday or Wednesday in November or something. And then there's, you know, and whoever's sitting like some regs and maybe people on vacation. But obviously, you guys have, you know, your big marquee series like, you know, the windmill and stuff like that. You know, to what degree does it get taken one level up, you know, during those busier times? What does that mean for you? Yeah, it's a lot different. I mean, look, we, uh, the, the cash game room, uh, we have 28 tables, you know, during peak times during the, during the summer or the, uh, wind million series, we go up to, you know, 70, 80, 90 tables sometimes. So it's a completely different beast, you know, going from a, a day where you're running 15, 18, 20 cash games to a day where we're running uh, 90 tables with, with, uh, you know, 80 players on, on each waiting list. It's, uh, it's definitely different. So, and, and that's one of the, one of the challenges is that the, the room has grown so much over the course of the last five or six years with these large events, you know, just trying to, to have the flexibility, um, staffing wise to run, you know, 16 games on a Tuesday and then, and then ramp up to, uh, to 80 games, you know, three weeks later, you know, it's, uh, it's challenging, but somehow we've, we've managed to figure it out and we have a, a great staff. We've got a huge traveling dealer staff and, uh, and, a you know, uh, kind of an on-call staff that, that come and deal all of our events and it, it, it makes it super successful. That's awesome. And, you know, I, obviously, uh, the win poker room cash games tournaments, extremely well regarded, uh, in the poker community. Um, and, you know, you don't have to necessarily name names cause he said there's 300 of them working with you, but perhaps you could clue us in, you know, what does it take you know, beyond obviously the technical skills and, and the experience to wear that win poker room badge, you know, from the, the, the your colleagues who you work with all the way on down to just, you know, starting out as a dealer. Sure. I mean, uh, to, to be honest, um, you know, the first thing I look for, whether it's hiring a chip runner or a dealer or a, um, or a, a list attendant, right? Like our, our, our front desk type staff, you know, we just look for personalities. Mm. Um, you know, especially let, let's take that front desk staff, for instance, um, we call them the list attendant, you know, we've had plenty of dealers who come in and, and audition and they want a deal and they go, look, I've been practicing or I went to dealer school or what have you. And, and a lot of them, they just, you know, they, they're not quite there yet. They need the experience, but you know, if they have that personality, I, I'm just, I'm just looking for people, 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 yeah. people, persons, <laughs> yeah. right. People that just like to be around other people and like to be around poker. From there, we can we can figure out the poker part, you know. And if they want to be a dealer, we'll 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 help them get there. But um, for the most part, it's just filling the room with people that like to be around other people, um, you know, people that kind of represent. I don't want to sound too corporate here, but people that people that represent the win core value type stuff, which mm. is you know care about everybody and everything, you know, care about the other teammates and and uh, all the other employees as well as the guests, and just go out of your way and just want to be a helpful person. You fill the poker room with people like that, and it's it's going to be a success, right? And that's what we try to do. I mean, that doesn't sound corporate. That's a great core value to have, you know, <laughs> within a corporation or or outside of it, for sure. I know, but I, I don't want to be the guy that repeats our core values, right? right. Like it's it's just, but it's it's inherent in uh, in what we do. It, it it really is, you know, not only the poker brand but the win brand. Nice, excellent. Well, I mean, you didn't start out as the executive director of poker at the win. You started out. Uh, as a dealer as well, um, you know, how did you first get your start uh, in the industry? Yeah, 2000. Uh, so, uh, geez, um, 2004 or so, give or take, I was a break-in dealer at the Orleans. I moved mm -hmm. to Las Vegas. I used to work in the golf business. Oh, wow. Decided it was time to uh, time for a change. So I packed it up and moved to Vegas. And um, 
didn't do much for maybe six months or so, kind of relaxed a little bit, played a little bit of golf, played a little bit of poker and uh, decided I was going to be a dealer. So uh, broke in at the Orleans, was there for maybe two or three months and, uh, you know, can't say enough good things about the Orleans. If you can, if you can deal at the Orleans, you can deal anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I think that there's a, there's a huge percentage of, uh, of dealers in Vegas that they got their start at the Orleans. It's a, nice. it's a great spot to, uh, to break in. And uh, shortly thereafter, the win opened. So that was 2005, April 2005. And uh, the rest is history. Started there. And, uh, and now, now look where we're at. Amazing. I mean, you know, someone who started out, uh, you know, on the lower rungs and worked your way up, to, to what degree or in what way does your experiences as a dealer, how does that affect sort of your approach to management and running the room and being in charge? Uh, good question. I'll start by saying, I think when you're a dealer, you don't appreciate what it takes to, to, to manage or run a poker room or make it successful. Right. And I, I think the, one of the biggest things that, uh, as you move up the ladder from dealer to floor person, uh, you know, and as your responsibilities change, you know, you learn more about the business and you figure out, um, that there's so much more to, to trying to, to trying to fill the poker room, to trying to make sure that all the dealers are making money, um, make sure that everybody's happy, has a good work environment, has good, good employees. Right. So at first when you're a dealer, you, you never think about those things. Right. When I was a dealer, I concentrated on my game, right. put my head down, deal, run a good game, hopefully make a little bit of money, uh, punch the clock on the way out the door and come back and do it again the next day. Right. Um, you know, so now as, as, as the manager, I can appreciate that, um, that, that that's the primarily, you know, primary for, for dealers. They want to come in and they want to work. They want to do a good job. They want to go home. Some of them want to move up and we want to give them that uh, opportunity where we can, um, you know, the perspective that I get is to to make sure that everybody's happy, make sure everybody's, you know, living the lifestyle that they want to live, that the job is allowing them that lifestyle. Uh, and if it's not, try to figure out how to make it better. Right. Well, I like it. Great, great answer. Um, you know, you say you've uh, been with the win ever since, but it hasn't always been in Las Vegas. Uh, you spent several years as the poker manager at the win in Macau. Um, you know, last year I had the good fortune to speak with uh, Gary Hager. That was back in episode number fifty-eight. So guys, remember this is episode one hundred and seven. So, hundred and six other great episodes here of the Cards Jet Podcast to listen to, uh, and one of them was episode fifty-eight with Gary Hager. He had been uh, uh, up until recently as well the poker room manager over at Resorts World, and I know he also spent a good bit of time at the Win in Macau as well. Did your paths cross? They, uh, yeah, you could say they crossed to the night. So, um, huh. f- funny story. So I was in Macau, uh, give or take six and a half years. And, uh, and it came time right around 2015, it, it came time to come home. And I, uh, I, I called my, my VP and I said, uh, you know, it's time to come home. Hopefully there's a spot somewhere for me. And, uh, it just so happened a couple weeks later, there was a spot as the, the director spot opened. Oh, Gary at the time was the the number two. He was the uh, the tournament director at Win Las Vegas. So we um, ultimately worked out a plan. He was going to come to Macau. I was going to come to Vegas. Wow! So he spent about two weeks in Macau training under me. I came to Vegas and spent two, two weeks with him, understanding Win Las Vegas, and uh-huh. then we both got on a plane and, and we flipped. 
So uh, <laughs> That's he, he literally, stuff. he literally filled in for me at Win Macau. Um, he took my spot at Win Macau, you know, a week after I left, and it was wow. a, it was a great experience for both of us. I think we really enjoyed it. Oh, that's super cool. That, that happened to me once on a much, much more minor level. You know, I live in Israel now, but I used to, back when I lived in LA, uh, I was a summer camp counselor for many years. And there was one summer here, a vacation where, you know, I just I was like, I'd like to go back. I wonder if there's a spot open. And I called the director of the camp, uh, you know, just to be a counselor. I was like, is there anything available? He says, you'd never believe it. You're going to be here for three, four weeks, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, you know, Al, our other director, he's going to Israel on vacation. We literally have a spot for three, four weeks. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Similar, similar you know, story. Not exactly the same, but similar type of story. I mean, sometimes life just works out, you know, and, yeah. and I, I had a great, had a great run at, at, at Win Macau. It was a, a fantastic experience and from a poker standpoint too. But, um, you know, the time had come in six and a half years and, and I uh, literally said, okay, I think this is it. It's time to go home and, and just lightning struck and and this spot opened in in Vegas, so it was perfect. For sure, I mean most most players from North America, from Europe. I mean we hear about Macau, we hear about those legendary super duper high stakes games, but it's not a place we often get to go. Um, in what way is poker different there, if not just from a player perspective, but from the managerial perspective? You spent quite a while there. Sure. Uh, so first, for any every, of your listeners that, that are going to take a trip, I would recommend if you're if you're going through Hong Kong, Macau is a great day trip or overnight trip. There's there's not a lot in Macau. It's a uh, it's a it's a very populated place and a very small footprint. Um, you know, it's it's a great little spot. It's great launching pad for Asia, right? Like you get to see, get to go and travel, and everything's a two hour flight away, so it's perfect. Um, you know, but it, it, the 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 role there was much more of a much more of an operational role, much more of an on the floor role. Um, simply because, you know, when we opened poker over there, there was very nobody there knew what poker was. We we oh, had wow. to start from the ground. Poker Stars had been operating in Macau for a handful of months, um, hadn't been open for very long. They were running um, tournaments and a few small cash games, but it was a brand new thing to the whole city, the whole culture. Um, you know, so we started from the the ground up, and we ran a three or four month training class to uh, to basically teach all the dealers and so forth. But you know, when it came to um, supervisory or management type things, as far as how to teach people how to how to manage a poker room or or run games, you know, that was us. That was uh, that was me on the floor for for nine ten hours a day, and that's really um, you know one of the things that made it so so uh, popular. I think is that it. It was a fair and a really good environment. Um, you know, the games were run well, and ultimately, our 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 supervisor staff and so forth. It took them some time, but they just learned by. It was just hands-on training, and uh, over the course of the you know the first couple of years, they all got up to speed, and uh, and now they're on their own. You know, they they do it by themselves, so it's great. If someone were to visit, you know, nowadays, like a poker room in Macau. You know, would you know if you've spent a good amount of time playing in a European casino, a North American casino, and a poker room, is it kind of basically the same, or are there some you know some differences? Like, are there daily tournaments, and it's just all hold'em, or is there like you know tons of stud tables? That's yep. So we uh, when we opened, it was just hold'em, and then uh -huh. uh, a few years in, we actually have to um, we had to. The rules of the games are actually written into law, if I remember correctly. Wow. Um, so in order to introduce Potlum in Omaha or Omaha in general, 
we actually had to petition to to make a, a slight change to the gaming law. Wow. Uh, we were able to get we were able to get Potlum and Omaha in. So we primarily ran Hold'em in Potlum and Omaha. Um, games are all run in Hong Kong dollars, you know. So right. um, that's a takes a little bit of getting used to, but, um, for the most part, everything else, um, the languages at the table that were permissed, uh, permitted were, were Chinese and, and English. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you could speak either, uh, most of the dealing staff spoke enough English where they could understand, um, to make sure that the game was being run correctly, you know, but for the most part, if you were a Westerner, there was going to be a lot of Chinese being spoken and you had to trust that the players as well as the dealer, as well as right. the floor staff, was um, properly policing the game, but uh, by some miracle, it all worked out. We had really good games, and they were very fair, and they were they were all well run. So it was great. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, you know, I, I you know, you hear I'm I'm American originally, born and raised in LA. I live in Israel, expatriate, and you know, 330 million Americans. You know, as much as we may travel, we don't often necessarily go and live uh, somewhere else, a completely foreign country and culture. I mean, you spent seven years uh, in Macau. What are some of your fondest memories just, you know, beyond work of just, you know, spending all those years there? Sure. Uh, I mean, first, first, it's really just the, the Macau culture that the people of Macau are super, super welcoming and they're welcoming to everybody. They're, they're just, they're very nice. They're very nice people. You know, Macau was a Portuguese colony. They just, they, they have some Western values, you know, a little bit different than mainland China. But the people were just so welcoming, and uh, it was from a staff standpoint, everybody was great, you know. And there were birthday parties, and and it was just it was it was a great family type vibe. Um, outside of that, it was just a lot of great travel, you know. Oh, and, nice. uh, I, I'm with you as as an American. I, I probably would have never seen Thailand or the Philippines or Malaysia or Japan or or all those places that I got to go. So it was just super exciting and and very thankful for that experience. That's awesome. All right, well, enough with uh, Ryan Borgard, the poker manager, at least for a little bit. How about Ryan Borgard, the poker player? Tell us about uh, your skills at the felt. When did you start playing, and do you still play today a little bit? I, I dabble here and there, but uh, <laughs> I, I think that, um, you know, I, I started playing in, in college, Arizona State, you know, so at age 18, there was, uh, you know, there was some uh, some tribal casinos down there that I could play, and I think I walked into my first uh my first casino thinking it was a blackjack table and it was actually a one, three stud table. And I played for about 14 hours and I lost $300 playing one, three stud as a college student. And, uh, and I never, never looked back. I, I, would, I would probably still lose $300 playing one, three stud. If you put a one, three stud game in front of me, but, um, otherwise, yeah, I, I like, I like to play here and there. I just not, not too often, but sometimes. Gotcha. Well, we did do a little bit of research. We saw that you do have a, a Hendon Mob profile, a mix of some live and online poker tournaments, not just a one of three stud player. You've got just under $20,000 in career tournament earnings. Now, before you say, oh, really? I doesn't mean anything, I have zero in any documented you know, career earnings. I'm much more of a cash game player. Um, so what do you enjoy You know, when you do decide to hop into a tournament? What type of experience are you looking for? Yeah, usually, usually a daily tournament, right? Something that's uh, you know eight or ten hours type, of, you know, something with a, a decent structure. Um, you know, I, I like playing a little bit around the strip. You know, there's there's some great daily tournaments all over the place. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of places offer offer really good daily tournaments in that two or three hundred dollar range. So I usually go and find one of those 
Um, you know, I'll play a series event here or there if uh, if there's something good, but usually just dailies. I, I, I don't normally find the time for those multi-days. And honestly, I'm probably not really good enough for those multi-days. So we'll, uh, we'll, let's be honest with ourselves here. Sure. Well, I mean, obviously, as a you know, experienced industry person, you don't just know Hold'em, you don't just know uh, PLO, you know, you know the mechanics and how to play all those other games. Do you mix it up uh, beyond those two games ever? Uh, you know, whether it's, you know, cash or maybe uh, an eight game mix or something? I would say uh, if you put an eight game mix in front of me, I would be lost on half the games. Oh, goodness. Um, wow. You know, <laughs> so. And especially if you get into the, uh, you know, some of those crazy mixed games, the, 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 the ones that they seem to make up every other week. Oh, um, the drama has. Yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm always, <laughs> always amazed. I, if, if you put me in the dealer box to deal those, I don't think I could deal half of them. Um, <laughs> but, but don't, don't tell my, don't tell my staff that. Won't um, say a word. <laughs> but uh, no, for the most part, I mean, look, uh, you know, I, I'll dabble in an 08 game here or there. I think, uh, I think what you're probably getting to is that you probably saw an 08 result on my handed mob. I did. I noticed that. Yes. That was a that was a complete fluke. I think it was a Sunday morning. I woke up and I'm like, oh, I wonder what I wonder what's going on online today. Uh-huh. And uh, and I played I played a satellite to get into that 08 tournament. Oh no! And I kidding. got in wow. and, and then I think I cashed. Nice, cool. Okay. Well, your first recorded tournament cash. Uh, you know, with apologies to the Hendon Mob folks. I know this is your beat. You always ask for that first flag, but you know we got Ryan first. So your first recorded <laughs> tournament cash. Uh, was interestingly, it was a 100 plus 20 daily at the win. Um, what do you remember, if anything, about cashing in that tournament? I only remember cashing in one win tournament, so it must have been this one. Um, I think it was a day that uh, that I probably got off of work early uh-huh. and hopped in the tournament. And I think I specifically remember putting a hellacious beat on on a guy at the final table. I think he raised button, and I think I called him with like three, four off, and flopped a straight. And uh, and I remember he berated me pretty good because back then it was cool to it was cool to berate people. Still back then, uh, it's it's not nearly as fun, and it, you're not allowed to do that anymore. Right. But um, that, that's what I remember at the final table. And that's probably the only reason that I got as deep as I got. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll switch gears back as one has to do when playing poker. You got to switch gears every so often. So we'll switch back to the, uh, you know, win um, the wins uh, hosting of the World Poker Tour World Championship coming up just a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, we're recording this on uh, November. Well, for me, it's the 22nd already. So just 10 days away from the start of the festival on December 1st, uh, running for 20 straight days. Um, you know, this is a joint venture between the win and the WPT first time you guys have collaborated. Uh, and it's, you know, quite frankly, you know, the buzz is everywhere. It's going to be, you know, $15 million guarantee for the main uh, and, you know, $2 million guarantee for the prime. I mean, this is set and it's, it's also, it's a multi-year partnership that you guys are doing with the WPT. So uh, the stage is certainly set. What, you know, of course, big teams are involved on both sides, but what could you pinpoint as your specific role? Oh man, there's, there's a lot of hats right now. Um, my specific role, I would say if I had to put a title on it, uh, probably the head of planning logistics and purchasing. Um, (laughs) I think that, uh, so there's so many different, uh, 
so many different stages of putting on an event like this, right? Uh, you know, I'll start with when we when this when the discussion started back, gosh, uh, May. Um, you know, the the first stage is is you know understanding the plan and the and the scope of the of the uh, of the tournament. You know, and then there's obviously all the legal stuff, which is okay. Let's 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 make an agreement. Let's figure out how often we're going to do this and and make a long term type agreement, which we did. And then from there, you shift to okay. How are we actually going to make this happen? Right. And um, what's the schedule look like? You know, uh, you can't really do anything until we make a schedule. So, you know, in conjunction with our, our tournament tournament director, Ray Pulford, right? We, we put together a great schedule. You know, the, the WPT, um, you know, they had, at the time, they had two um, landmark events, you know, WPT Prime and the, the World Championship, where they said, we want to put these two events on. We want two televised events. Your, your right. series is going to have two televised events. We said, oh, man, that's great. And then lo and behold, later on, a month or two later, Ange said, hey, we're going to add a third. We're going to add the ladies event. You know, right. So now we have three televised events. Right. So originally, we had those, those two marquee events. We threw in the, 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 the win mystery bounty. So we right. have our three weekends covered. And then we get to fill in the rest of the schedule. So that, you know, that takes to make a schedule like that, it, that, you know, that takes a good month or so um, trying to work out all the details for the schedule. So that was really the, you know, from the strategy perspective, that's really the, the, the first big step. Um, and then from there, it's really, okay, now how can we, how can we execute this, this entire schedule? And it's, you know, what do we need? Okay. Well, we need to buy um, 80 new tables. We need to buy, uh, 120,000 new, uh, pieces of chips, mm -hmm. right? We have to buy, you know, we needed to buy complete new chipsets because we have days we're running four or five, six events per day. And for us, we've, we've never, you know, we've had days where we, during, during the summer series of the wind millions where we probably run three events, right. you know, three chipsets. So now mm -hmm. we're going to six events. We have to buy all new chipsets. Um, so just all those little things that, uh, you know, uh, okay, we need 300 new dealer buttons. We need, you know, 600 new all in buttons. Like all that fun stuff is, is, uh, they're all pieces that take a lot of time and a lot of planning. Sure. Um, so really it's, it's been, uh, a lot of that. And then just logistically, how are we going to facilitate, um, an event of this magnitude and this scope in multiple areas? We have the poker room, we have the area right out in front of the poker room, and then we have this giant ballroom that we're going to use. Yeah. Um, so, you know, kind of along with, I, I guess that was a long winded answer. I'm sorry, but there's, no, there's just so there's, there's so much, um, and we're still working on it, right. We're two weeks away. And, and, you know, while all the major pieces are in place, you know, there's all these little details now, which is, um, you know, facilitating all the signage and, you know, the menu for the food items are going to be served in the, in the ballroom and, you know, all the stuff that we know that we're going to get done. It's just, uh, you know, it was pushed off because it wasn't one of the, the, the major items. Sure. Those are all the things that we get to deal with here in the last two weeks. Right. Right. Uh, when we go there and first of all, we hear it all, you know, marketing and everything, but we go there and we see the final product of a lot of hard work. I always find that behind the scenes. So interesting. And, you know, what does it take uh, to, you know, to get, to get this, you know, looking so a plus and so stellar, like it does on TV and just in person. Um, you mentioned the, you know, the multiple different areas uh, that you'll be using uh, for those, you know, who don't necessarily have as much of a layout of the land. Um, you know, where will the cash games be? What's going to be going on in the ballroom? What's going to be going on in that? Like, I don't know what you call it, a gallery sort of adjacent to the cash sure. game room. Like what's happening where? 
Yeah, so the the cash games are all still going to be in the poker room, right? Okay. And that's where you find the the meetup game, the uh, the WPT, the the the, the mug, the, the Andrew Neamey and Brad Owen. And I think uh, lo and behold, they just announced Phil Ivey might make an appearance and, oh, yeah. uh, and play and a few games in the mug. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So the uh, you know the 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 mugs um, on December first, and that'll be in the poker room. All the cash games will stay in the poker room. Um, we do have 24 tables right out in front of the poker room. We call that area the Encore Players Lounge, just okay. because that's what it was called before we kind of took it over. Um, and uh, 24 tables out there, a lot of secondary events in that area. Um, a lot of the mixed game events, um, you know, the the events that are going to get fields that are going to take 15, 20, um, 20 type tables. All the major stuff. All the stuff that's going to take 100 tables, you know, WPT Prime, the main event, um, the Mystery Bounty, um, all the day twos, day threes, day fours, things like that. Those will all be in the ballroom, 100 and, uh, you know, uh, I think we're up to 115 tables, you know, so those will all be in the ballroom and, um, you know, multiple events going at once in the ballroom. So that'll be a really, a really crazy fun time with, with three, four different events running at once. Um, live stream table on the stage. So you'll get to see some live stream action um, nice. for all the events too, which will be really fun. And, you know, I, I, I can, I've never been, I've never visited the the ballroom there. I've seen the, you know, the poker room, of course, uh, you know, when uh, WSOP just moved over, you know, everyone's familiar with the Rio, you know, and now we have to like get the lay of the land, you know, where's planet Hollywood, sorry, where's uh, the Paris, where's the valleys. So how far of a walk, you know, if those, you know, who want to play in multiple events, is the ballroom from uh, the cash game area and the players lounge? About five or six minutes. So, okay. um, you know, the, the poker room, um, the ballroom is really uh, the main entrance to the encore is about halfway between the poker room and the ballroom. Okay. You know, so, you know, it's about a three minute walk from the hotel elevators, uh, the encore hotel elevators, um, you know, three or four minute walk. So if you're staying at the wind, you know, the, the poker room's right in front of the uh, elevators uh, on the encore side, and the, the ballroom's three or four minutes away, so it's not too bad. Sure. And I may seem like a small detail, and, you know, obviously, you know, we'll find out when we get there, but, you know, there's a lot of folks, package winners, uh, you know, satellite winners, that sort of a thing, on, online from WPT Global. It's a very big thing to go ahead and absorb, and, you know, maybe you've never been to Las Vegas before. It can be a little bit intimidating, so just thought, uh, you know, it'd be helpful to sort of get a lay of the land. Um you know, and, and quite frankly, also, there are going to be plenty of people who are just, you know, railbirds and, and spectating, uh, you know, that that is possible. You can just go ahead and walk. You don't need to necessarily play, but you can walk around and enjoy it. Sure. Yeah. The uh, I mean, the ballroom area is completely open to the public. So come on in and and, and check it out. You know, uh, I mean, it is a tournament area, so we're, we're not going to, uh, you know, we're gonna, not going to let people hang out for too long. But, uh, you know, they can certainly come in and have a look. And there's going to be a lot of, you know, there's going to be days when it's packed. So, uh, you know, it, it'll be a, a really fun atmosphere. Cool. Um, you know, not to get, you know, too nitty gritty with the X's and O's, but, you know, you know we obviously, the what we see is, you know, being marketed beyond an amazing time and experience. We see, you know, the big number, 15 million. We see a, a big number, 2 million guaranteed. You know, obviously, I don't think, uh, you know, they're just randomly pulled out of a hat. Could you give us sort of an idea of, you know, what type of thoughts, what type of discussions are being had when you discuss, okay, this is the guarantee we're going to put out there? Yeah. Um, you know, guarantees are tricky. They, uh, yeah. they require, you know, a fair amount of strategy and a, and a fair amount of planning, or, or you could get caught with your, uh, you know, lack of a better word with your pants down. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, so, uh, 
we start with the main event, you know, we start with the, the championship and, and 15 mil and, and, you know, I'll let you in how, how we got there is, is we knew that our, our win million series, we know how many, um, unique players that that series normally generates. Mm. We know that, uh, between WPT, um, between the, the online qualifiers, the club WPT, um, all of their satellite winners from around the world, Australia, you know, um, gardens in California is running satellites, all these live places running satellites. You know, we're really targeting that goal of, you know, we're trying to hit 500 satellite qualifiers and that includes our live satellite qualifiers for right before the event. You know, so we know unique entries from win millions, which was our last 10 K plus 500 satellite entries. Um, you know, plus maybe a, a handful of re-entries, even, even though we made each flight a freeze out, there's going to be some re-entries, right? You know, plus hopefully all the all the new players that we can attract, and and that's how we felt comfortable. You know, hitting that that fifteen million, um, based on our numbers, you know, it should look more like seventeen or eighteen hundred players. So nice. so that one should be should be good. Hopefully, hopefully we're not wrong. Um, you know, and then from there we just fill in the rest of the uh, you know you fill in the rest of the uh, the schedule, and you say, okay, we know that um, you know let's take the uh, the main event, the the the, the championship. You know, we know that roughly 30% is going to make day two and and we know that the percentage decreases. So, okay, where are all those other 10K players are going to go? Well, you know, if we put a 3K on day two, we know that there's 70% of the players that aren't going to. So let's put a 3K there and, you know, how many players are we going to get for that? Well, we feel right. pretty confident that we can get, you know, 200 players for that. So, you know, that's kind of how you go through and you, and you figure out how, what those guarantees can be where they, um, you know, they aren't they're not a slam dunk, but they're not a huge risk, right? Like they, they should be safe, but they're not exposing us to any really big risk. You know, and you look at WPT prime, $2 million guarantee, 2000 players, give or take, um, you know, that, that should, that, that one should be a slam dunk. Nice. Nice. Well, obviously it's always data involved, just like, you know, any sports team is always, you know, crushing the, the saber metrics, all that kind of stuff. I, you know, it it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, with what a couple dozen events on the schedule, is there anything uh, that kind of stands out to you? Of like, oh, I'm looking forward to seeing that happen. Uh, I I'm really looking forward to Prime because I, I really feel like it could just absolutely like day one B and one C. I really think could be really busy and really packed and a lot of fun. I think it could create a a really big prize pool. Um, you know, the ladies' event just because it's it's the the first. You know, A, it's an 1100 ladies event, which I think is fun because I think that it's going to make it an extra special event as far as, you know, people that maybe aren't, they don't normally play quite that high. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of ladies events are 300 $400 events, you know, so this makes it a little bit extra special because it's a little bit of a bigger buy-in and it's got a guarantee on it, yeah. but it's also going to be televised. Right. And that's, that's cool. I think that that's going to bring a lot of, uh, a lot of ladies out and, uh, and really hopefully, um, you know, further the, the increase the the interest in the ladies events um and then we i don't know if you noticed on the schedule the the last event on the schedule is a is a tag team bomb pod schedule oh uh, no i didn't notice team, i didn't i missed that one. tag okay. team bomb pod <laughs> so we we put that as the last event it's on monday it's on day two of the mystery bounty and uh, obviously the mystery bounty is always fun but that speaks for itself sure um you know the tag team bomb pod we put it on there just as a wrap-up event right like like just everybody come out have fun i love watching those tag teams where people are sweating their friends and they're they're flipping in and out and we figured that the 
the drinks would be flowing on the last night and, and everybody would just be happy because their flights are hopefully the next day. Right. Um, and uh, so I, I think that one's going to be fun. We've never run anything like that before. We've never run a tag team. We've never run a bomb pot. Okay. So, uh, Challenge accepted, right? <laughs> could be fun. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, well, you know, I'm, I have, uh, you know, long time, you know, followers of, of mine know that I'm a big mixed game fan. And I noticed it's uh, not just straight up Hold'em or PLO. You know, you got a, you know, the $1,100 horse championship on there. I think you got a $600 horse as well. Um, and, uh, you know, f- folks know also that's something that Matt Savage uh, is very into. He's always trying to push the mixed games. You know, he's the executive tour director uh, for the World Poker Tour. Uh, what were the discussions like between your team and Matt and the WP team with regard to, you know, making sure there's sort of something for everyone? But I got to say also specifically putting mixed games on the schedule. Yeah, um, you know, we've we've really shifted uh, as we've grown over the course of the last two or three years. You know, we've really tried to incorporate in, in, and I think mixed games, you know, 08 and mixed games in general, uh, in PLO too, everything non-hold'em seems to be growing. It's, yeah. it's growing slowly, right? But it's growing and, you know, we're putting, we're comfortable enough now to put some guarantees on these events. Um, a lot of the mixed games, they make for great secondary events in that, you know, they're, they're never going to if you have 50 tables available um, and you have an event that's going to use 30 uh, running a mixed game as a secondary event is, is perfect that day because now you get to fill up the room and you get to, you get to add it to your schedule, you know, but as we started doing this, we found that, that the, uh, you know, the numbers were, were really growing and that's great to see. And, and I think now when people look at our schedules, whether it's a win millions or a, a win classic or, or the WPT schedule, you know, they're, they're scanning the sheet and they're noticing, way more than just hold them, which is great because now they're coming, they're seeing that we're running a series and they're, they're coming and looking specifically for those specialty events, which is great. Whereas before, if we put one on the schedule, maybe nobody noticed, you know, so, um, but, but now people are looking for them. So the fields are growing, which is great. Yeah. And, um, Mm -hmm. to your original question uh, about Matt, um, I think when we did the original draft of the schedule, when Ray and I did the original draft, we had a handful, three or four mixed games in there, um, maybe a 600 and 1100, you know, and, and then Matt came back and goes, look, I, I think we added a $3,000. He goes, I really got players that want to play a $3,000, um, you know, in, uh, is it an eight game on there? I think it's a $3,000 eight game, right? Yeah. We, we get so many events. I can't even remember, yeah. but he goes, look, they, I got players asking me, put this on the schedule, you know? So we found a spot and I'm like, ah, oh, Matt, like I, I don't have any space, right? Like we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're so like, I pulling my hair out. I don't know if I have enough chips. I don't know if I have had this. And he's like, you got to find a spot for a three K. Uh, so we did, we found a spot for a three K and, uh, and it's on there. So, um, yeah, hopefully they go great and, and they just keep, they just keep getting bigger. Well, I, again, you know, I, I did catch my eye, you know, again, everyone knows I love that kind of stuff. You know, I kind of have a hankering to see if I could, you know, put a few people together, maybe put me in there. I got, you know, I can't just watch sometimes. I got to, got to play these events. Very, very cool. I love well, it. it's not, it's not fair that your dad gets to play one and you don't, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that, that is true. My dad gets, uh to play in the main event, which is huge. Big, big prize winner. Um, I just got one last question of my own for you, Ryan, before we move into the community questions. Uh, you know, we've talked uh, in depth. Uh, it's been pretty pedal to the medleys and since May, uh, and it's only going to get crazier over the next couple of weeks as, you know, that, that finish line, that first finish line of, okay, things are starting, 
Uh, but you know that second finish line eventually, you know, at the twentieth, you know, when once the champion uh, gets crowned, all of a sudden it's like, okay, you take a deep breath. I don't know if you've given any sort of thought to it yet, but you know, have you, you know, how do you think you're going to decompress when you know this is all over? And, you know, you got the holidays coming up. Any any sort of plans, uh, you know, for uh, celebratory, uh, you know, festivities for yourself? Sure. So. Um... I'll let you in a little, the, the inside joke is I've already told, uh, inch from a uh, WPT and, and all of the, uh, all of the WPT folks, Kathy and, and, and pinky. And so far that I'm, I'm blocking their phone numbers until March <laughs> after the event. So, so that's, that's step one. Um, you know, it doesn't mean I don't love you guys, but uh, step one is we're going to, we're going to, we're going to turn the phone off. Okay. Uh, step two is look, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a fun time cause it's Christmas, right? So, um, hopefully take a few days off. And uh, just decompress, maybe play some golf, and uh, you know, then look, we uh, we're already starting to plan the the win millions in March, so we're uh, we're we're back on the schedule planning. But um, yeah, I hope we take take some time for the holidays. Good, uh, good to hear. It's always good to have that balance, not just in the uh, GTO ranges. It's good to hear. Um, all right, we're going to move to the segment of the show. We turn to you guys, our cards chat community, to see what questions you wanted to ask our guests. Uh, we have a dedicated thread on the Cards Chat forums for this. So as we announce who our future guests will be, please be sure to send in your questions. Uh, we're going to start with uh, our more creative question asker, uh, Acid Burn FX. Uh, always so you know great to participate, uh, you know, and put these questions forward. Uh, so you know, you never know what you're in for with our questions askers, especially Acid Burn FX. Uh, wants to know, Ryan, if you were guaranteed to be successful. In a different profession, what would you want to do and why? I would have expected a different question from somebody named Acid Burn FX. <laughs> <laughs> um, good question. You know, I, I, I would probably, something that involves um, hospitality. I really like working with people. You know, I, I, I could see myself like running a bed and breakfast in Colorado somewhere. You know, just uh, something where I get to interact with people, super laid back, um, help people enjoy themselves, relax, vacation type stuff. You know, whether it's a ski town or a golf town or something like that, I could I could see myself doing that. Nice. Okay, cool. And we'll have uh, one more from Acid Burn FX for you. Uh, you know, we already asked you uh, right at the start, you know, what's your day to day like? Uh, Acid Burn FX wants to know what's the best part or your most favorite part of, of the day? Uh, probably the morning coffee, mm. taking the dog out for a walk, um, you know, trying to gather my thoughts for the day. And, you know, generally it's, it's, uh, it's not, there's not too much going on in there, but it, over the course of the last few months leading up to this event, there, there's a lot going on. So that, that time outside is a, uh, it's just a nice time to relax and, and just try to get ready for the day. I think. Nice. Very cool. What time do you usually wake up uh, in the morning? Uh, about five thirty or six. Wow! Yeah, okay. that's how you know I'm not a po- that's how you know I'm not a poker player. There you go. And it's uh, we're approaching eleven p.m. over there in Las Vegas right now. So again, I gotta thank you for for pulling the night shift for me. I appreciate it. No problem. My pleasure. Cool. Um, so Gutshot Gus uh, has a question for you, Ryan, as well. It's possible you may have mentioned it, but uh, you know we'll, we'll probe just to be sure. Uh, Gutshot Gus wants to know what have you got up your sleeve. That is, quote unquote, bigger and better 
in the tradition of in the wind tradition of five star excellence. Oh, bigger and better in the wind tradition of five star excellence. Um, I think uh, I think that our events, if we're if we're talking poker specifically, I I think it's going to be hard to talk bigger and better than a $15 million guarantee. <laughs> but, it, yeah. but in my mind, like our events just keep growing. Right. Mm -hmm. And and to me, that's, you know, it's a, it's a great way to get people to the room. It's a great way for people to um, experience the win that potentially haven't before, you know? So I think just getting people here to experience the win Las Vegas in the poker room if they haven't come, it's probably a bit of a different experience than they've had um, wherever they might be right used to playing. Um, you know, so I, I would say that's definitely bigger and better. Uh, you know, hopefully this event as an overall is is bigger and better in, in that just the the experience of the ballroom experience and things like that is is definitely going to be bigger and better. Um, other than that, gut shot. I'll uh, I'll let you know once I get through this event it, when when, <laughs> I, when I when I can plan the next bigger and better one. Nice. Very cool. Uh, Crystals uh, also participates all the time. Uh, thank you so much for sending in this one for Ryan. Uh, Crystals wants to know, uh, you don't have to names or anything like that. Uh, what has been the absolute worst idea that someone has pitched to you? Could be a player or someone else uh, to improve the, the room or drive uh, traffic to it. Oh, man. That's a good question. <laughs> Boy, it's, it's hard to, you know what? It's hard to come up with an off the top of my head, to be honest with you, but there's always, <laughs> it's so funny you mentioned that because there's always players that go, you guys should really do this. Right. Um, oh man. I hate to tell you, I don't know if I can come up with one off the top of my head. I mean, there, there's <laughs> always players. You didn't that, implement there, it. <laughs> there's always players that go, you should really give $4 an hour in comps, right? And 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 it's <laughs> and and you have to explain, you're like, look, look, you know, a, a, a cash game rakes roughly a hundred dollars per hour. You know, if if we're giving away four dollars an hour on comps, that's that's nine times four is thirty-six dollars. Then you gotta pay a dealer like we we then we got to pay taxes. Like we, we, we still got to stay in business, you know? And, right. uh, no, you know, I'm so, happy you mentioned um, that actually. I'll give a, while, while I'm saying my piece, you can think of perhaps of a, yeah, of maybe a, I can think answer. of a better one for sure. No, but like, I'm really happy you mentioned that because obviously, you know, players, you know, naturally think from the player's side of like, okay, you know, kind of, you know, you're always doing the mental math. You see a beautiful resort and stuff, you know, and we say, well, you know, of course we want lower costs, just like any consumer. It makes a lot of sense, but and I do genuinely think as well, it's important to understand the business side. You know, it's not charity. Everyone's got to make a living. You got salaries to pay and, you know, you want it to continue looking beautiful and provide that great experience. So, you know, I, I'm happy to hear that, you know, you explain it in not a condescending way to the players. They've just got to understand, you know, how does the ecology, how does the poker economy work? So, you know, that, that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's, it's our job as, as managers or directors or what have you to, you know, we, we still have to protect the poker industry. And while we're trying to grow the industry and, and make sure that everybody has, you know, the amenities that they want in a poker room and they have, you know, you still want your chip runners and you still want, you. Let, let's face it. And me as a player, I'll say this as a player too, we're a little bit spoiled, right? We sit down at a poker table and, and we say, Hey, you know, Garcon chips, 
you know, and, and we want somebody to come over and, you know, it, it takes a lot of staff, um, cocktail servers, chip runners, you know, list attendants, um, back of house people, cleaning people. It takes a lot of staff to run a poker room yeah. um, properly. And, you know, poker rooms, they're not expected to to um, obviously make what the rest of the casino is expected to make. But we, we still have to justify our space. Yeah. Um, and we still have to we still have to pay the bills. Uh, so, you know, we have to look at those things. You look, I'd, I'd love to give $5 an hour in comps out because I recognize that food can be expensive, but, um, it, it just, it doesn't quite work that way, you know? Sure. We'll do one last question from Chica Bonita. Again, one of our, uh, our regs here who so kindly engages with us on the Cards Chat podcast. Uh, Chica Bonita wants to know, I think this is a nice uh, note on which to end off, Ryan. Uh, do you have a dream related to your work career and how about a dream outside of work of things you'd like to do and accomplish? Gosh. Um, you know, I would, this is going to sound cliche. Um, (laughs) from a dream job perspective, I love poker. I love people. I love beautiful things and I get all of those in my current position. Sounds completely cliche, right? But as far as if for somebody in the poker world, I, I feel like I'm 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 pretty close to the to the dream job. Um, you know, on top of that, if I you know if I would have won the circuit event on WSOP.com yesterday, that that would have been a nice dream. But I but I didn't. Um, you know that that's how I spent my Sunday on the couch yesterday. Uh-huh. Uh, but no, you know, I I I don't think I I have any real dreams outside of you know I enjoy what I do and uh, I, I don't really find myself. I mean, look, dreaming of retirement on a golf course, you know, Savage, Savage is already there, so I I, I guess uh, I guess he's already <laughs> living the dream. But um, you know, some someday that's I think that's a dream for all of us. Sure. And, you know, Matt is then, uh, Matt is an avid listener of this podcast and all the poker podcasts, so I'm sure he's having a good chuckle right now. Uh, but, you know, just to your point, you know, I've been speaking with you now for the last hour or so, and folks have been listening. It's pretty obvious, you know, you're not just, you know, repeating those corporate lines. You do genuinely love what you do. Uh, and it's pretty awesome to hear that and to know, you know, like folks see, again, you know, this well-run ship, this great event being planned, someone who... You know, sure, you know, you're making a living doing it as a job, but you're really genuinely passionate about this game, about what you do. Um, you know, what more could we want and ask for from someone in a position like that? So I think that's just a, a wonderful thing and a great answer to that last question. Um, thanks, everyone, who sent in questions for Ryan Beauregard. Again, a friendly reminder to all of you out there in the Cards Chat community. We'd love to see you submit your questions for our future podcast guests in the dedicated thread on the forums. Guys, please be sure to give a good review to this podcast on iTunes and spread the word via your social media channels if you'd like the show. Uh, Ryan, I know it's uh, bedtime. You got a 5.30 a.m. wake-up call. Uh, before we let you go, is there anything else you'd like to tell the Cards Chat audience? No, I mean, thanks a bunch. Uh, you know, thank you, Robbie, for those uh, those kind words at the end. And, and yeah, I, uh, you know, it's 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 a it's a great life we live here in Vegas, and and it's great to be involved in uh, in in fun stuff like this. And uh, you know, I appreciate all the listeners and and all the people that come and and support the win and support poker in general. You know, and and hopefully we're going to see you all uh, here in December to support the the WPT World Championship and. And, uh, you know, one more, hopefully, hopefully it's uh, 10 years down the road. We're sitting here having the same conversation about the 10th anniversary of the uh, WPT World Championship, and we'll go from there. 
That would be pretty cool. I can't wait to see it with my own eyes, board that plane and, and come see it in person. Uh, Ryan, thank you again so much. Guys, thank you all so much for tuning in once again to another episode of the Cards Chat Podcast. I'm Robbie Straczynski. You can follow me on Twitter at Card Player Life. I wish you all a wonderful day. Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community.